Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Peak Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have Tamar Gaffincan as our podcast guest. And Tamar and I met in the Coactive Training Institute, which is a training institute for coaches. And we've had a couple classes together so far. And the moment that I met Tamar, I felt like her energy just totally filled the room and I could just tell how passionate she was about coaching and personal development. So I'm super, super thrilled to to have you with us today, Tamar. Welcome. Thank you. What a sweet intro. <laughs> uh, so for our listeners, I'll give some background about Tamar. So she's from Boston, Massachusetts, one of my favorite cities. Um, Tamar is super energetic, like I shared, and her passion just flows out of her. Um, she has chosen to devote her coaching career actually to focus on young people's development, which I think is an area that has a lot of need and there's not a lot of coaches focusing on on that demographic. She's been teaching entrepreneurship to high school students for six years, and she also runs a girls group for high school seniors at her local synagogue. And in this group, she focuses on navigating high school and transitions to adulthood. Before that, she lived in India, working at an education social enterprise, and she attended Bringhampton University, and where she created her own major, International Social Change. Uh, Tamar is just about to embark on a new journey as a career coach for graduate students at Emerson College, and... I know that she's super excited about this from conversations that we've had. And tomorrow, I think you're going to make an excellent coach for them. I'm Thank excited you. for you and your new journey. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so tomorrow, um, you know, I'm like I mentioned, um, I'm really impressed that you've chosen to to focus on young people and in, in your coaching, because I think a lot of coaches will um, be very concerned about how they can maximize their income. And, um, you know, younger people don't have as much spending power normally, but I would say that there's just as big of a need, if not a greater need for coaching services. So I think that it's amazing that you're planning to focus your coaching career on that. What made you want to focus on them? Yeah, it all comes from my own experiences when I was a teenager. Um, I wasn't a school person. I, that's just like not where I thrived. Um, I thrived in all the after school leadership programs that I had the privilege of, of participating in. Um, and that's where I got to like use the skills that I couldn't use in school. And I like had mentors, I had opportunities to like make massive events and plan huge events, um, to be part of like social justice groups. And I realized like there I had value, um, whereas I didn't really feel like I had, I, I wasn't really unique in the like school space. And I want to like provide that opportunity for young people and show them that they have all the skills within themselves. It just might not be in like the traditional form where, where like where school is, where they are in school. Um, and as they like build their own careers it's so exciting to kind of think about what are they good at, where where do they want to learn more, and kind of find that like that middle ground for them to kind of jumpstart their their adulthood. That's awesome, Tamar, and it really resonates with me. But it, because I think that 
the traditional school environment is still pretty rigid. And there's a lot of, um, you know, very narrow understandings of how people should learn and test taking and basically what success looks like in the classroom. But you're absolutely right that there that people thrive in different kinds of environments and um, their strengths may not be showing as much through the ways that they might be tested in in school, but their strengths might be able to show in other ways. So I love that you're focusing on helping young people find out where their strengths are and how they can shine in their own way. Yeah, I often think about um, like, what if, like, it, let's say like a chemistry class or some, something like that, where you and you have a group project, and you're graded for the content of chemistry. But what if you did a really amazing job, like rallying your your team and your your classmates, and you did a really good job organizing everyone, and you also understood the the chemistry content, um, but you only got graded on the chemistry outcome and not other forms of effort that you put into the actual project. Um, and so, I want to show students that you do have other values and you do have other skill sets. Um, and those are really, really important in every other aspect of life. And you should focus on those. I love that. How do you help students identify these strengths? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it is experimentation. Um, I, I like believe in the idea of prototyping in life, um, which just means that like you try a bunch of different things and you get curious and you're always curious. Um, and just like have a love of learning. And so um, like one way that I've I've been a part of is through entrepreneurship. And I'm, there are many ways to, to get young people to discover what they're good at. Um, but the way that I, I've come at it is, is, yeah, through entrepreneurship and getting your hands kind of dirty with playing around with different products, with prototyping different services um, and playing around with different, different technologies um, that students might not have access to in other areas. Um, I remember this one student that I had, um, he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't a school person. He had had a history of getting in trouble. Um, and he would come to our program and like, he really struggled with a lot of like the conceptual pieces of entrepreneurship. But once he started actually making, um, he, he made, um, phone cases with cars on the back. Um, and once he started making them, his like, he would come after school on his own time. Um, and he just like lit up. It was incredible. He like took initiative. Um, and so like, those are the moments that you're looking for. You're looking for where young people or people in general, uh, take initiative in their own lives and like harp on that goodness. Wow. I love that. It's a really powerful story because, I think that it can mean a lot to a young person to find an environment that they can thrive in and feel good in and feel like um, that they can grow in the way that they want and that they're being acknowledged for that. And so I think it's really beautiful that you're finding that. Yeah, it makes also makes me think of like our coactive training, um, the the belief that everybody is naturally resourceful, creative and whole, which like you and I like deeply believe that because we're going into this coaching world and we are students of coactive. Um, and a lot of people don't think that way about teenagers or about young people. Um, and so if we have that same mindset for everybody at every stage of life, I think there's going to be a lot more, um, like juiciness and, and joy and play and creativity, um, and success in life. 
I love that. I think, you know, I that's one of the most important lessons that I've taken away from the coaching journey is really thinking about everyone that you interact with, whether it's uh, at work, whether it's a friend, whether it's a client. And you're right, like whether it's a young person, that they are resourceful and they are whole and um, you don't need to babysit them, right? Like mm-hmm. they they know what's best for them more than you do. And, um, you know, you can play a role in helping to guide them, but you can also probably do better if you truly believe that they are going to find their way and that they they know more than you about what's best for them. Hell um, yes. Yes. So <laughs> like finding that that balance between, you know, supporting but not being overbearing, I think um, is a, it's a challenge, but Certainly. it's a, it's a worthy challenge of taking on. Yes. A thousand, a thousand percent. Yes. And like younger people are going to make more mistakes um, and experiment more. But to me, that's exciting um, because it means that they're kind of like playing around with um, what feels right and what doesn't feel right. As long as they're doing it in like a safe and healthy way, of course, you know, <laughs> of course. And Tamar, what's most meaningful to you from this work? The aha moments I, I find so rewarding. Um, like, like similar to that student that I was just talking to or talking about. Um, and I mean, that was kind of more in like a mentor teacher, um, space, but I've had other clients working with younger people who, who like have the aha, aha moments of like recognizing their inner leader or recognizing that like they can do something. And to be part of that journey is just miraculous, I think. Um, and, and it just like keeps me going and it, it psychs, excites them. And that, that feeds me, um, that energy like really, really feeds me. I can hear in your voice, like how much energy this gives you and, and how excited it makes you. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. It just like makes me want to go more and more into it. Um, I'm literally like (laughs) sitting on this floor and like, I, I can feel my body like coming up off the ground when I get more excited. Like I, you can tell probably that I have a lot of energy, um, as you said before. And, um, and it makes me feel really good when, when, um, it's reciprocated or it's, it's coming out in other people. Um, because you can really tell from that, like level three listening that, um, when people get excited and I love being around it. Hmm. I, I really think that it's wonderful that you found this this niche, let's call it, for yourself that brings out so much excitement and joy for you. And I think that that's, you know, a goal for a lot of people is to find things in life that give them that much energy and make them feel like they're really making an impact in an area that's meaningful to them. And so for you, I'd love to hear a bit more about your journey towards finding this fit. Yeah, good question. So I taught entrepreneurship to high school students for about five years um, in Boston. Um, And then the sixth year that I was at the organization, um, I was coaching um, some some of our alumni who are entrepreneurs and trying to to grow and expand their business. and that was so fulfilling. And I, and I was like, but something else is missing. And so I started talking to a few people and someone like 
straight up asked me, what do you like most about your job? And I said, the coaching. And he said, well, have you considered coaching as a profession? And I was like, honestly, no. Like, I didn't really know any coaches. I that was, I wasn't in, in that world. Um, and so I started looking up uh, different coaching programs. And you know how like, what, if you like potentially join a program, um, they'll have they'll ask you all these questions about yourself to see if like you are like a good fit. Um, and every question was like, I, I answered yes. I was like yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there was nothing where I like it didn't feel right. Um, and I was and so I, I just had to dive into it. Um, and I took the first coactive course, and I was like, this is this feels right. Like I feel really grounded in in this decision. Um, it was like three days, eight hours on Zoom, and I didn't get bored once. And to me, that was another like massive green flag. Um, and I've also realizing, kind of looking back, that I've been doing this work informally, either with young people or with my friends. Like I often go right to these type of powerful questions that are in coaching. Um, some people don't like it. I've learned the hard way. Um, but I, I love just like diving deep into those questions to kind of surface what are people's values and what do people care most about? Um, and how do people live those values and what, what makes people happy? Um, and, and that's, that's kind of how I got into it. Wow, that's beautiful. I think it's it can be such an exciting moment when you find something that feels like maybe it was designed for you in yeah. some ways. And I can relate to that. I think I had a lot of similar feelings as you when I discovered the the co- coaching, which was during my MBA at Stanford. Before that, I didn't really know what coaching was. And then afterwards, when I decided to pursue coaching as a profession and enrolled in CTI, it was a very exciting feeling. And um, I'm curious, like now that you've been on this journey, you know, with CTI, which is the Coactive Institute um, for those listening and aren't familiar, um, what have you learned about yourself? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I, I think I've learned so much. Um, doing this program have re- has really like gotten me out like it's been a really good time to take the course for me because it's kind of in this like post and air quotes post COVID world um, where I've learned so much about myself in COVID. And then this just brings it like really to a much deeper place where in COVID I was like, I have to get by, I have to get by. Like my mental health is like pushed on the side and I just have to kind of like be there for everyone, for whatever people need. Um, and I was like losing the authentic part of myself. Um, and CTI brought me back to that. Um, it's emotional. It's a hard, um, but coaching my experience coaching and with CTI has really like put a mirror up to me. Um, and they said this a lot in our last uh, course that like coaching is really a mirror where you can't really lie to yourself. Um, and I think that's I, for like a level I was doing that. Um, and it, it's allowed me to accept being more myself and being more authentic in a lot of different spaces. Um, 
and all versions of myself. Like I think I'm a very dynamic person. I like to have lots of different friends. I like doing lots of different things and and I can bring my authentic self to all of those places thanks to CTI. Wow. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's uh it's truly been life-changing for me as well. I think um you know, the journey has started a while ago, but I feel that going through the CTI courses has accelerated that journey, but also made me feel more prepared to bring that to others, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. What do you think you've learned about yourself? Oh, um, so, so many things. I think, um, you know, you won't find this surprising, Tamar, because I I kept getting called out by our instructor as being a quote-unquote head person, which means that, you know, I think a lot and I rationalize a lot and I'm very analytical. And even when I have feelings, I like to kind of make sense of them and really understand them and kind of stay inside my head. And I think that what that can lead to is sometimes a disconnect between what is going on in my head and what is going on around me or the what I'm projecting. There was this one instance uh, during this course that we just finished a few days ago where um, I was being coached on a topic and I expressed that, you know, I felt that um, my mind was racing. And then someone then commented on the fact that even though I expressed that my mind was racing, I, del- I said that in such a calm and collected way. And so I'm learning that there's this disconnect between what's going on in my head and what I'm actually experiencing in my body. And sometimes that can lead me to not experience things fully to the point where I can actually process what's going on. And what I've learned is that that actually doesn't serve me because I end up getting stuck in mental patterns that don't help me where my mind is racing, but I just can't stop it from racing. And I'm just spiraling and going down negative thoughts. And um, what I learned in this last course is that sometimes like going for a run, like if you feel like your mind is racing, well, maybe your body also needs to to run a bit and catch up with your mind so that you can fully experience it and then move past it. Um, so, you know, this, I understood parts of this before the course, but certainly not altogether. And just being called out as a head person, so to speak, and then experiencing that and learning also that like, other people are different, right? It's not like everyone experiences things in the same way that I do. Um, that some people don't just have all this stuff going on in their head and it's isolated to their head. like, um, And that's really valuable as I'm beginning my career as a coach that you know I want to be able to understand people who experience things differently and be able to coach them as well. Yeah. I think what, one thing that was like so powerful as I was watching that moment in this last course was that like, so the coach like had you like run in place and it immediately brought like the like running sensation in your head through your body. And it's kind of like, like if you're nervous about something and then you just like say it out loud or you write it down or 
like you just kind of get it out of your head and then you feel better. Like that's what it was almost, I, I could tell was going on that you got it out of your head and then you could actually, yeah, like you said, have that time to process um, and like that physical body like connected. So you could kind of get that emotion out. Totally. It's truly some powerful stuff here. And mm -hmm. the level of introspection that you, you really go through and in, in these kinds of courses is, is really interesting. And Tamara, I don't know if you knew this before going into these courses, but like, I didn't know that, um, that we would be coached as much and that this would be as much a personal journey as it is like learning how to coach others and like the, the relationship between those two and how much those are interlinked is just fascinating to me. Yeah. I didn't really know. I like, probably could have assumed, but I didn't really think about it. Um, I mean, it makes complete sense. I think that like we have to be the best version of ourselves to be able to hold space for other people to, to be, so we can be that mirror for folks. Uh, so then they can kind of come out as like their best version of themselves and, and make changes that they want to make in their lives. Absolutely. When you think about bringing these skills to young people, what is your dream? Mm. I want to be part of a, a domino effect of, um, or, or part of like paying it forward um, where I can have an impact on a young person and they can have an impact on someone else um, or two other people. And then, and then that like web kind of, or that tree grows Um I want young people to feel really confident in themselves. Um, they're, they go through so many changes and with the world changing, there are so many expectations on them and so many things that they're learning and so many things that they're not learning. And, and like, certainly with social media, it's just, it's, it's a lot. And I want them to feel confident. And I think a lot of teenagers don't, and, and, not just teenagers, but folks in college or in their early 20s and, and just out of college, the world tells them that they're not ready and they don't have experience. And I just want them to know that they they do. And I, I want them to see it. And I want them to have a sense of agency. That's my dream. Mm. I love that so much because I think that that's something that we typically think about coming later in life. But I think that there's so much that young people are capable of. Um, and I think that it can – and that's often overlooked, right? Like there's there's a different perspective that they bring. They have their own lived experiences um, that are valuable and can bring things to the world. Yeah, absolutely. And when they're younger, they don't have the – the power to, to make the changes in their own lives because people tell them like, Oh, eat now. Like you have this homework, you have to do this for college or, or X, Y, and Z. You have to dress a certain way. And they don't have, like, they can't vote either. You know, like anyone who's under 18 can't vote. And so they're just put in systems that they don't have a say in. And like, how messed up is that? <laughs> um, mm. And if you like teach them the the laws and the rules and um, and how to make change, then then you can like adjust the systems that work for the people. 
Um, but it's not, it, it just like, doesn't seem fair to me that like they can't vote <laughs> and they can't like participate in society, um, as teenagers at least. Yeah. And it, you know, I think that it's, you kind of alluded to this with, you know, social media and, and all the challenges that have come with that. But I think it's been a particularly difficult time to be a young person living through the COVID pandemic. I mean, when I was um, reflecting on that period of time and living that period of time myself, I was really feeling in particular for um, college-aged kids, who many of whom had to move uh, back to their childhood homes um, or, or other places, right? Like they were just pulled out of their college environment and, and just displaced um, in this time that's supposed to be such a transformative time for you. Um, and it's, I, I'm certain that there are a lot of mental health challenges among young people that have kind of emerged from this period. And um, now's the time to like put in some course correcting measures, right? Um, have you touched that in your work? Yeah, a little bit. I think the the young people that I'm closest to have just started college. So they're either like freshmen or sophomores. Um, but it's certainly been a really big struggle. I mean, I think that like having to move back into their, uh, like their family's home um, has been really hard when their whole lives, they've been told that that's, that college is kind of their time to be their own person finally. Um, and then it kind of feels like it gets ripped out <laughs> from underneath them. Um, so I don't have that much experience. I have a bit more experience of um, like the girls that I work with. They're seniors in high school now. And I first started working with them when they were freshmen. And then two years of of COVID, they're like in the middle of high school. So like right. huge periods of developmental years were, were at home um, when everything in their lives is social. Um, and totally. so their, their social groups had to kind of become much smaller. Um, which I mean, can be good. You can create really, really meaningful relationships then, but it also, I think is challenging when you want to meet lots of people and you want to kind of experiment to th see like how people make you feel. Um, and what are lots of different ways that you can express yourself? All those things were, were kind of shut down. Totally. Now those are also very critical developmental years, um, you know, socially, as well. So I think that there's so much work to be done to really empower young people, especially in who have gone through now lived through this period in time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, um, you mentioned that you focus at least one of your groups on on girls. And so what drew you to that and how do you see that work as being different? Oh gosh, I love this question. Um, so yeah, the, the work that I do at my synagogue, um, is, is just girls. Um, they have another group for boys. Um, and I think in the Boston area, there's another group for, um, non-binary and, and trans kids. Um, and I think there is something really special about, um, kind of sacred spaces. Um, the program that uh, I, I'm working with 
that we were working with is an organization called Moving Traditions, um, which part of their mission is to fight sexism. And there in, in Judaism, there's um the special tradition that women get together once a month. And it's kind of, it's called Rosh Chodesh, which means the head of the month. And there's like a really beautiful and spiritual time of, of the year, 12 times. Um, and I mean, you can connect it back religiously um, with like women's bodies and, um, and it's just a special time. So, so this, this modern organization um, originally focused on girls. And so that's, what I've been working on at, at the synagogue. And I mean, I think there's something so beautiful about female friendships. Um, and for me personally, that has been some of the greatest like moments in my life is the power of those friendships. Um, and I, I love kind of being in that space and being able to facilitate these meaningful kind of sacred. I think there's a, um, sacred is really the right term that we have two hours together once a month to kind of talk about what they need to talk about. And also what I've started to do is embed some of the coactive activities that we've been doing in our courses with the girls. And, and it has been absolutely phenomenal. Which kind of activities have you incorporated from coactive? Yeah, um, I did a values activity um, where we had to tell a story. So everyone went around, either told a story about a time where they felt like they were themselves or a time where they got angry. Um, And as kind of the other participants or the uh, almost audience members, the listeners, um, we had to identify what values that we heard that came up from that story. And the story was only like two minutes. Um, And then we kind of did more work on prioritizing some of the values and repeating those back to uh, the group and just having a discussion about what we care about. That was one. Another was from our balance uh, course, and that was all about perspective shifting. Um, There were a few girls that, I mean, they're seniors. um, It was last month. And things are changing in their lives. They're figuring out like which friends are going to which schools and realizing that their friendships might be changing. And that's kind of a a big pill to swallow. So we did some perspective working there. Wow. I love that. And the values exercise, honestly, for me was one of the most powerful exercises that I've done in CTI. And, um, Basically, for for those listening and who aren't familiar, the idea is to listen to these kinds of stories that someone might tell and pay really close attention to, you know, what seems important to them based on what they're saying. Like, they got really angry that someone um, cut in line in front of them, maybe. Well, then maybe they really value um, fairness or justice or consideration for others. Um, And... As the storyteller, having the values repeated back to you afterwards is also really powerful because um, it forces you to kind of take a step outside of your own self and and look at it from a different perspective and think about, you know, what do these values really mean for me? And is it true? Does that resonate or not? And if that's true, then how am I really living alongside those values or not? Um, And that for me, has been a super, super impactful uh, exercise. Um, 
because when I had my values repeated back to me in, in the course, I realized that there were things that I could be doing to really live out some of those values um, more clearly. And uh, it's resulted in some really important changes for me. And in terms of the perspective taking exercise, um, that was actually one that, you know, I struggled a little bit with. Um, Tamara, I can't remember if we were in that class together, but um, I think the the premise is that, you know, you can you might be seeing something uh, through a perspective. For for example, um, my coworker is frustrating. Um but um, seeing your coworker as frustrating is one way to see it, right? You could see your coworker as, um, you know, being very dedicated, and maybe that through being dedicated, they're doing something that frustrates you. And so, really thinking about being creative about the different perspectives that you can take on in life. Um, is sometimes hard to do, but also very powerful and can get you out of like a really bad rut sometimes. Um, yeah. So the, I love trying this on with clients. Yeah. The, um, the values activity to me just goes back to the mirror. It's all about the coach holding up a mirror right back to you and seeing like, oh, where are you shining? Where are you a little bit more dull? What's like actually coming up? And that perspective shifting is all about different lenses, I think. So like, how can you look at, look at like your relationship to your coworker from a certain lens or through like, I, I keep going back to like the lens of a plant, like what does a plant represent? And um, so like, you need four things with the, to like have a healthy plant grow. You need sunlight, you need good water, the right kind of water, you need the right kind of soil and you need the right kind of air. Um, and you got to be patient too. And so like thinking about that with the coworker, like how can you, like what values are coming up for you and how can you see that situation through that specific lens? Yeah. You know, Tamar, you just named exactly the part of the perspective taking that's challenging for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like, what is the perspective of the plant? Like, what is the perspective of the salt and pepper shaker or yeah. whatever, you know? Like, for me, when we did that in the class, I it was very out there and um, felt very unnatural. But what I like about it is that it challenges you to be so creative. Um, and it made me realize that that's a creative muscle that I want to develop because I see the value in it. Um, and it's one that's clearly underdeveloped for me because I find it so hard to do. Um, but there's value in it, just like you shared. You know, the plant has many different parts of it, and you can think about the situation that you're in from all those different parts. And maybe that'll shed light for you that will have some kind of insight that will help you. Yeah, I also, <laughs> that was also a really hard concept to grasp. But what I ended up doing that really helped me was just saying, like, what is a plant or what are the, what are like a salt and pepper shaker? Uh, what do they represent? Like if you could make it into a metaphor, what would be the metaphor and, uh, and the value there and how can you apply that to the situation? So kind of like removing the, in the inanimate object from the perspective and kind of going into like per almost personifying uh, the inanimate object. It definitely helps for sure. Yeah. 
So Tamar, when you think about taking your work forward with young people and with young women, what motivates you? Oh, what motivates me? I think having impact, certainly. I mean, I think that that's like, that's kind of the ego in me and like the selfishness in me of like seeing the impact that I can have on others. Um, But I think it's really incredible to just be around people who are growing um, and who are creative. Um, I find people that are constantly learning and, and creative folks just so inspiring and it's really exciting to me. And I like, I just want to be around it because they're, they're the future and they, and, and they think critically and they're not going to give up. Um, and I want to, I want to be around that energy all the time. Wow. I love that. I can totally envision you living that out. And that really excites me. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, I want to ask you one last question before we close. Yes, bring it. My question is, what is your peak mindset? My peak mindset is when I can be playful. It's when I can go off on this like crazy brainstorm and come up with like wild ideas and people are bouncing them back right at me. And, and there's a level of laughter and, and then action. Um, when, when my energy is, is reciprocated, um, is when I'm in my best space and that's most fun. I just, I want a life of, of fun and joy and creativity and play and that's the mindset that I always want to be in when, when we can just, yeah, play. Adults don't play enough. Adults don't like pee themselves from laughing enough, you know? <laughs> so like, I want, I want more of that. Maybe not like peeing a lot, but um, <laughs> I, I think that like when I'm in my peak mindset, I'm, I'm silly. I'm playful. Um, I can also like go like into being serious if I need to be, but then like also quickly coming out because if we can't laugh, like what can we do? And if we can't love each other with that laughter, what can we do? So that, that's, that's my peak mindset. That's a beautiful peak mindset tomorrow. And I love how this perspective taking is kind of taking shape in your peak mindset where you feel like you can be serious if you need to be, you can be playful if you need to be and kind of, Sensing what the moment needs and and rising to the occasion. Yeah, rising to the occasion. Hell yeah. That's exact. Yes, a thousand percent. Thank you so much, Tamara. I've really enjoyed this episode and it's been an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Jenna. It has been, I, I feel really honored. I like to know you, to be able to kind of have these opportunities to talk about coaching, I think is really exciting. Um, and I'm so excited about your future and like what it all holds. And I know it's going to be great. And I'm just like very grateful to be uh, a witness to it. Thank you, Tamar. 